Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Right, I'm Len, and uh, you're listening to what the actual fuck podcast. Don't know what the fuck that is. Some shit. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast. Now, this is another recap episode. We are going to recap episode three of series three, and it's Cynthia. And we are now going to chat to the one and only man who is the uh, honorary president of the Silver Surfers and... uh, he likes to look at big jugs and fannies and stuff like that on the internet. <laughs> it's his birthday boy himself, Neil. Hello, birthday boy yourself. Happy birthday. All the best people are born in August. Of course they are. Or? <laughs> or. All the Leos. I've just got the shave fannies and make a big joke. <laughs> Have Stuck you? in my head now. God, that's a good birthday then, if that's what you got. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm watching for my birthday. <laughs> I bet you are, you dirty boy. So how are you? Did you have a nice birthday? Well, it was wonderful, thank you. Another year older, another year dumber. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right, now, we've. this is the third episode of Series 3. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia, first broadcast, 2nd of March 2020. So can you remember what your first thoughts of this episode were when you first watched it? I, yeah, this is an episode that I really enjoyed um, when I first watched it, because obviously it's the return of Mr. Mucklow. Indeed it is. And that's why it was nice to see where it went and where it came. I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more in depth. So after a couple more viewings, yeah, I still really enjoy it. don't think I enjoyed it as much as I did the first time. Okay. But, well, we'll talk about why. I'm sure. Well, we start in Sue's Kitchen... Uh, where Kerry is fascinated with watching Gogglebox. Oh, yeah. This is mental because they're watching TV and I'm watching them watch TV. And whoever's watching this is watching me watching them watch TV. 
And if this ends up on an episode of Gogglebox, I'll be watching them, watching me, watching them, watch TV of me. I can't think about it anymore. That's going to make my head explode. <laughs> and, and as you say, just nonchalantly wandering in was yeah. the one and only Martin Mucklow. Now, this pretty much sums up everything that we've done in regards to predicting things, be it this country, Star Wars movies with the trailers. Whenever we try and predict things, we always predict these big, massive stories and ideas and storylines and plots. And I think pretty much, especially with this country, nothing, none of them have ever come, come true. And they've always been very low-key. Mm. The actual, what's actually happened in the series, especially this. There's no, there's no big fanfare. No. There's no explanation of why Martin just wanders in in his grubby dressing, grain, grain, uh, dressing gown, getting a can of Vimto out of the fridge. Now, I, I assume that he's wearing just a dressing gown. Well, and nothing else. Yeah. That wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised of Mr. Well, he's Mucklow. got a t-shirt on underneath, I think. Has he? Or oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, I but think so. I, or maybe he's like one of these guys that just wears a t-shirt and nothing else. Do you think he's <laughs> do you think he's one of those guys that in the summer he'll wear like very short shorts and will always like he won't sit on a bench, he'll put his leg up on the bench while he's chatting to you with his hand on his hip? I think so. I'd like to think he is one of those sort of people. Just letting, just, like yeah, that. just letting the helmet just drop out of the leg of the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a sly little wink comes out. Sly little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm only saying that because I wish I could do that, and I can't. I can't, no, even, I can't even get my leg up on a bench, let alone anything oh, slipping gosh. out of the shorts. <laughs> but I just, that's just, I assume, it's just the look on um, Kerry's face. She's almost like, oh, okay. Um, it, I don't know. There seems to be a bit of awkwardness, and I just assumed that he was—he'd come down from drilling Sue. <laughs> which yeah, we'll in a minute we will. And he's just literally walked down from what he's been doing to get a drink to go back up to carry on. But what it does, it is also it answers our question that nothing has changed. You know, all the things that happened in the aftermath. We thought, oh, Kerry is going to the whole dad thing is going to be sort of like moved out of the way. We've got, she's got her feelings now of what her dad is. Mm. That's, that's going to be completely checked. Her, her relationship with the dad is going to be completely off. It's, there's not going to be a relationship there anymore. That obviously isn't the case. Martin has wormed his way back in. Nothing has changed. He's still being shitty to Kerry as we will see later on, even though he does sort of state some kind of regret. Um, yeah. There isn't any really, and he is just his normal shit house self. He is, he is, he's, uh, which is probably what we wanted deep down anyway. Really, I mean, we wanted him to carry to avoid him after the aftermath, but s- secretly, you wanted it all to be the same for a view from a viewer's point of view. I mean. Well, yeah, um, well, he's the villain, yeah. so, and you have to have, yeah, uh, you have to have a vi- it doesn't matter what show whether it's a comedy or there, there's always some kind of villain yeah, like said that that bastard that's always in the program you know the one you love to hate 
But the thing is, it's when you look at certain shows, especially I think British comedies, it's normally the the lead character is the villain, mm. Basil Fawlty, or you yeah. look, at, you know, yeah, I mean, that aspect to it. You know, Mrs. Brown. Those guys. <laughs> the whole program is a, an abomination. Is the villain? Come on. I d- see. We're not going to go into off a tangent on this, but everybody I speak to, you know, that, that likes comedy hates Mrs. Brown. Mm. So I don't understand how it keeps winning BAFTAs and keeps being made. I don't. I don't understand. Well, if you yeah. look at the viewing figures, no wonder it keeps being made because people do watch it. Is that and, what it is? Yeah, they must do. I mean, the, the viewing figures are quite big for it. I mean, also they do those live shows and they're not yeah. just little theatre shows. They're arena tours. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I, I, I don't know the demographic that watches no. that. Right, let's get back to uh, Cynthia. So we can hear that Sue is humming contently as we yeah. get the Martin story from Kerry that he's got out of prison and had nowhere to stay. So Sue said he could stay at hers as long as he did some DIY around the house. Kerry mm. has this to say. All he's done is put up a roll holder. The only DIY Martin's doing is drilling Sue eight inches deep into her memory foam. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> eight inches deep. I mean, can you imagine? We know that Sue's um, of some size, isn't she? Yeah. Because they, they've, they've told us that. The memory foam. How deep <laughs> an inset would that be? But that's good stuff, that memory phone. You've got to remember the advert with the little chick and the the, the hippopotamus. Oh, yeah. there's, there's no role between. So I'm assuming that Martin Mucklow is the chick and that, that Sue Mucklow is the big hippopotamus. <laughs> but she's happy. That's yes, the she thing. Is. She's we, happy. We hear Martin, a different side to Sue and she's singing. Yeah, Martin has dusted those cobwebs away and now she's happy and singing away contently. And Martin is getting free digs and he's also getting to get rid of his dirty water. I mean, what more? <laughs> I mean, in the end, it's sort of like everybody's on a winner apart from Kerry. Yeah. and Because Kerry's got to listen to that. Yeah. That's perfect acting by Daisy on there. The oh, yeah. It's just... In this, in this episode particularly, there's some absolutely beautiful facial looks. Yeah. And, in there. and also, I think that's a great button to the scene is when it goes to, to curtain and saying oh, that's why she's happy is because you know because <laughs> she's being drilled eight inches into her memory foam great <laughs> uh, just a, again it's just that is that is quintessential this country the way that they phrase it and sort of knock that part of the scene is just a beautiful button on the end of that scene absolutely uh, then Curtin says, I can hear them at it like a pair of greasy buffaloes and I live three streets away. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I put on here, Martin being Martin, no change. Which I think sums it up. There is no change. No, Martin. he's still a shithouse. He's, he's still a shithouse. Uh, so Kerry is watching TV. Martin gets her to budge up and tells her to change the channel to UK TV and London's burning. Yes. Kerry wants time team. See, now, I was watching this and it made me think of, like, Kerry has had... Well, Kerry hasn't had this for the last few years, obviously, because Martin's been off everywhere, but Kerry hasn't had... Couldn't have had a very good childhood. 
No. Because she had a dad that just obviously did... Well, we, we find out what Martin's you know, real feelings towards Kerry are. Yeah. So it, it just couldn't have been a fun place to have lived. No, it must have, yeah, I mean, somebody like that, is, I don't want to say abuse, because he, but sort of mental abuse, I would have thought he'd have been. Yeah. Manipulating his own child to be what he wanted it or her to do. But I think he yeah, manipulates, it's quite, it's quite sad, isn't it? He manipulates everybody, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I think that's his, (laughs) oh, (laughs) if we had a pain for every time we say that this episode. Yeah. Um, So Kerry tells us about Martin living back at home and how it's hard to adjust to three people living at home. Martin is a night owl and that he likes to play deer hunting simulation games on the computer, which is in her room because that's the only computer they've got. So My naivety here, I didn't realise there was such a thing. So I Googled it, and there is deer hunting games. Have you never seen them? No. They used to have one at, um, oh, God, like the bowling in Swindon. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah, like the fishing games. Have you ever seen the fishing games? Oh, yeah. I used to enjoy the fishing games. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of anything more boring. Oh, it's just, it was I mean, look, it was fishing, fishing for me is boring anyway. I don't know. I don't know how Charlie or anyone sort of like enjoys fishing. I must admit, I'm, it's not it a go. thing for me. It's not. A thing. Oh, given that I used to do it with my gramp like years yeah. and years ago. I, 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 two things I can remember, or two things I can remember from childhood. I remember lots of things, but two things I can remember. One is that I spent all day when Sundays we used to go out as a family, you know, with the, the grandparents and stuff. Mm. And um, I can remember sitting on this muddy bank and I caught a fish and it was only a tiny little fish. It must have, I don't know, three inches, probably four inches, tiny little thing. And my mum says, go have a photo, have a photo. So I get there holding this in between my two little fingers, my two little hands, and it wriggled out before I could have the photograph and got back into the water. And I cried. Oh, But I must have been like, well, I'm not going to say what age. I'm not going to say what age I was. But yeah, and it, and so, and then I think the next time we went swimming, and this shows you, this shows you all about how it's like a, a nanny state now, and how everything is health and safety. But I can remember that our mum and dad used to get like a um, a big bottle of orange squash or whatever it was, fill it up with orange squash, put it in the freezer, so it become this big ice lolly, if you like, if yeah. it was really summery. And then what they do is they would take like the sharpest knife that we had, and then when you when we went out, they would like cut the top of the bottle off, and then you'd jab at it, oh, yeah. like, like Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, <laughs> to to start, like break off shards of an orange lolly, if you like. Yeah. So, so they gave me the knife to do this. I did that, and then cut a chunk at the top of my thumb because I, I sort of slipped. <laughs> and they're the two memories I have about going fishing, like with Aww. the family. There you go. Well, there you go. You better get. Uh, you could always whip a perch out with your pole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I could. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's not the only thing that I'd whip out. Just three inches these days. I'll tell you that, mate. <laughs> Hey, um, yeah. So uh, where were we? I don't know how I got into oh, that. Oh, that was the hunting. Oh, the d- yes, yes. So she, so Kerry says at three a.m. she's woken by gunfire and the computerized elk screaming in agony, which I think that's another lovely 
it's just another lovely bit of writing. Irish, isn't it? Um, and I've put in brackets here a let off with what Martin could be doing on the computer in Kerry's room. Well, that's very true. Especially the fact that he run up that bill with Babe Station at Sandra's. Makes you think that you probably have his own private laptop that he doesn't get out when everybody's in. Yeah, it just reminds me of that scene in Max and Paddy. <laughs> Max is asleep and Paddy's looking at the saucy videos right right over his bed because <laughs> yeah. he, he's got the, the the telly on the wall next to him. So Martin, <laughs> Martin gives Kerry uh, a review of Time Team and tells how it's all fake. Tony Robertson just blacks up a few coins and throws them in the trench. So Reverend Seaton hasn't seen Martin. Now, just to answer this for me, have we ever seen Martin and... Reverend Seaton in the same scene. No. See, now I've got a hunch that Martin is scared of Reverend Seaton. That's that's actually a good shout because that's that, I was just going to say that Reverend Seaton's going to be the sort of bloke that would uh, that Martin would avoid. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, am I right in thinking that Martin wears like a crucifix around his neck? Because I think he, he does he does wear like a chain, doesn't he? And yeah. I'm just wondering whether it's like whether he is like a god fearing man. It's like he doesn't give a shit about anybody, but like a man of the cloth is somebody that is like his great leveler. You know, is somebody that he thinks I'm not gonna oh, I'm not gonna mess with him. No, no, no way. Irie Francis has got his number, and that's probably why Martin personally would avoid him. I think. Yeah, and I've got a few things to say about Fiery Francis this this episode as well. That might shock you. I don't know. You might have you might have the same uh, ideas. Anyway, the Reverend tells us that he's been looking after Len and getting him on his feet after his hospital scare. So when we, we first, s- oh, just quickly, when we first see Reverend Seaton, the, the thing he's got a lovely line that he's been flitting around like the first swallow of spring. I thought it was a lovely line. It is. It is. I really like that the way he says it as well. Mm. So we see the all new improved Len, smart clothes and a shave, uh, and he's been staying temporarily with the vicar. Wow, who's this handsome young man? Len. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that. Uh, Which is so funny, the way he just goes, Len? Yes, like who else is it going to (laughs) be? So the vicar says we got him scrubbed up, change of clothes, new attitude, and the vicar vicar has an I'm proud of what I've done for Len look on his face. Now, we've said it millions of times, I think the the vicar is one of the lovely people and Paul Shahidi is a lovely person, but I do get that feeling in this episode that he is very full of himself because he is helping someone. Oh, really? I, 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 there are a couple of moments, we, and again, we will get to it, and I think that Curtin sums it up really, really well later on. Um, and I, I actually hated myself for thinking that because the vicar is so nice, and, you know, he, do, he is selfless, and he does look after people, and he is doing it to look after, but I don't know whether or not a lot of that stuff also does massage his ego a little bit. I mean, he's sure to, I, I would imagine. I'm sure to. But maybe, I mean, I just assumed it was because he finally got to help Len. Do you think? Yeah. Or do you not think it's... That's how I thought of it. Do you not think it's like Frankenstein being really, really proud of his monster that he's created and he goes around (laughs) showing it off? Because I have put, see the look on his face um, saying of how proud he is, whereas Len doesn't look impressed, like a dolled up poodle at Cruff's. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, somebody, I mean, to me, I think he was probably, Len was probably upset that he's got rid of his beard, he's got rid of his smelly, piss-stained clothes, and, and, and some sort of sense of normality. And it, I assume somebody like Len would find that uncomfortable at the beginning. Yeah, no, that's true. They're out of their comfort zone, aren't they, of not being just left to their own devices. Yeah, well, the uh, Reverend Seaton says that the, there was a rocky first few days and that Len was rude to Polly, uh, the wife. Len just sort of shakes his head no. Um, and the vicar says, well, we'll just disagree. We'll agree to disagree on that. Uh, and here's Len's words of wisdom. People think that being alone makes you lonely, but I don't think that's true. Being surrounded by the wrong people is the loneliest thing in the world. There you go. Which is, that's quite a profound statement for it's Len. A very profound statement. But I also think it's like, that's a, that obviously is a dig at Polly. Yeah. Um, because I noticed that the, the vicar says, well, I hope that's not talking about Polly. And Len just sort of shrugs yeah. his shoulders as if well, I'm not going to say. Not do it. it doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Len has been enrolled into Silver Surfers, which is the weekly computer club for the older generation, by the vicar, uh, who came up with a name. And again, he's very proud of that. And the look on his face when he says, I'm very proud of that, again, is that almost smug look. And I've, yeah, but you know, is that I, not to think he's been like, um, he's got that pun? in hasn't he i think he's proud of the pun rather than what he's done that's See, I, don't, I don't know i don't know whether it's and i've I've not thought about this of the vicar before and i don't think i think about it afterwards it's just this episode i sort of saw him in a different light in the fact that he i'm not saying he doesn't do it because he is selfless and kind because he is but there is that little bit of like look what i've done Look at look at how good I am, and I don't know. That might be just the cynic in me, rather than than you know, Reverend Seaton. That might just be. That's hey, more. Hey, that's hey, more to say about well be. I don't know. I, but I hate. Th- I hate thinking like that. No, but I'm going to see it in that light now. Next time I watch this, I'm going to watch it and see if I agree. No, I because it myself. Reverend Seaton is the only thing that's pure in this shitty world. And if mm. I start seeing cracks in that purity, then what the bloody hell is it all for, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? Let's end it right here. God damn, there's no point in anything if I find <laughs> out that Reverend Seaton is not doing it because he loves people, but just because it's like another notch on his look at how good I am bedpost. I don't want that. <laughs> I can't have that. I don't want that, and I will not stand for it. So we see the silver surfers. And yeah. Arthur is there, and he says, can I get onto Safari? Curtin says, what's wrong with Internet Explorer? And Arthur, so Arthur, I think, is an Applehead. He must be. Um, which I thought was quite good. As, as a self-confessed Applehead myself, hmm. um, I think that's quite... Um, and, so, you know, he's, so he's switched on. Yeah. Um, not like obviously. Len, obviously. <laughs> yeah, not like Len. Um, Curtin has an arrangement with a vicar where he helps out with Silver Surfers, so he means he can get access to the internet to make his memes. So no internet at Nan's. Which is Nan... where you can see a great deleted scene with this, the memes, can't you, from this episode? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, I haven't uh, put anything on about that. We, we're not talking about the. Uh, we no, no, I think saying for people they can search it out online. Yeah, we can do. We'll we'll do a recap on the extended on the uh, um, deleted scenes because there's getting to be quite a collection of them now. There is. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we find out that Nan has unplugged the Wi-Fi. Uh, at Nan's house for Curtain due to the electromagnetic waves that are going to make him infertile because she's desperate for great-grandchildren. So there you go. So Curtain's yeah. got that hanging around his neck now that he has to provide great-grandchildren. He's grand, not grand, doesn't he? He does. Or well, there's, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot to, yeah. you know, we, I'm sure we'll unpack a lot of that as well. Um, back to Silver Surfers, Arthur winds up Len with his computer knowledge. Curtin warns him to be quiet. So he starts off with the, you know, they don't deliver email on Sundays. That's right. Um, digital dinosaur or what. Curtin stands up in rage. Now, before I play this next clip, um, I can remember when I got my very first, like, Tower, uh, tower PC. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about computers then. I think I had, like three gig of of hard drive space that's how long ago it was yeah and i can remember buying football manager and like loading it on every time that i played that's right not realizing that you just had to click the little icon (laughs) so (laughs) after playing it like five times all of a sudden i had no disk space and i couldn't understand why it's because i'd loaded the game on like 20 times or something like that so i think it's it's really nice to see that like Arthur is keyed up, but to take the piss out of of someone that isn't keyed up, I sort of like I'd be like that if he started asking me questions. But anyway, Curtin has a little word with uh, with Arthur. It's all right. Stop lining up, Len. I told a vicar about your internet search history. What? Big jugs and mini bells. Yeah, I need big jugs to hold me orchids up straight. <laughs> So what do you need to shave Fanny for then? Hey! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, nobody can see what we saw, but the way he paused the screen, <laughs> Arthur's face when he says that is pure gold. It is pure gold. <laughs> pure gold. Because I think he actually, he knows that the game's up when he says, I need to keep my orchids. Just have a listen. It's all right. Stop lining up, Len. I told a vicar about your internet search history. What? Big jugs and mini bells. Yeah, I need big jugs to hold me orchids up straight. <laughs> that little pause. To hold me orchids up straight. Like, oh no, I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be found out now. Not found out. Indeed. Right. So Martin and Kerry back in the kitchen, and here's where Martin confesses his feelings and. Um, gets it all off of his chest. He said, the best thing you could do was to have dobbed me in, Kerry. And uh, this feels like this was the confession that I think I I was definitely waiting for. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, like, just for once, that he was going to be nice to Kerry. Um, Just so that he could make things right, which is what he said, he wanted to make things right. Yeah. And he told the whole story that his heart would sink when he saw Kerry come to his house. Kerry says that Martin has changed since he came out of prison. He's honest, maybe a tad too honest. Kerry doesn't seem to be a fan of Martin's new honest side. And then Martin says that when Kerry was born, she went, uh, uh, Sue went out to go and get some fresh air, and he stood over her little crib looking down at her face 
with the face hovering with a pillow over his over that is so dark yeah that is very dark and and kerry or daisy plays this so well she just honestly can't believe what she's hearing yeah i know just imagine being told that by your own father though exactly exactly and then he's he's it's almost like he's transporting himself back to that moment because if you look at him Mm. It's almost he's reveling in that moment of that thought that he had the power that of life and death in his hand at that moment. Yeah. And he was almost getting off on it. He's sort of looking and going, you know, I was there with that pillow hovering over your face. Almost really, really get, and then he snaps himself out of it. Yeah. And I, I think this is fantastic natural acting from Paul Cooper here. Not that I would have. Yeah. I could have, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, God, that feels good getting that off my chest. Yeah. And then it almost feels like he's, he feels like he's done Kerry a favour by yeah. saying that. That's almost, that's the best that he can do in saying, I'm really sorry for all the shit that I've put you through. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Shit house. Shit house. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I was thinking about this. I mean, Maybe, yeah, in comedy, has there been a bigger shithouse stroke villain in a comedy? Because I don't think there has. You could maybe, what, what, what was, um, what was Del Boy's Slater? Oh, yeah. oh Slater. Slater. He was yeah. a nasty, he was a nasty bit of work. He was, but was he as much of... He was nasty, but was he a shithouse? I would say, I would say he was a shithouse because he didn't really care the fact that he was a policeman. He didn't care what he did to put people away, even if the person was guilty of that particular crime. Yeah, that's very true. Jim Broadbent, wasn't it? Jim Broadbent, but that was his job. So, yeah. you know, he may have been nice you know, day-to-day with a family or... Well, no, then again, he didn't, because I think, didn't he nick his mum? He nicked his own mum, didn't he, or something? Or nicked his own dad, I think. his mum, wasn't it? But as somebody that there doesn't seem to be any redeeming qualities, although the ladies love him. Wow. As in Martin Mucklow, don't they? The the ladies love him. I was just having to think then when you were saying to me what villain. I mean, to be fair, Blackadder isn't a very nice guy. Bit of a shithouse, isn't it? Everything's about him. Yeah. But he's the main character, but he's not unlikable, is he? No, that's the trouble. That's the trouble. Mm. I think... Um, uh, I don't know. Is Martin likable? No. Wow. Because what I'm thinking of is... A, is a character, not like... Do you know what I mean? His character's brilliant because he is so bad, but no, but he's got it, no redeeming but, features. But if you were one of his mates, you know, if you're Dan, you like him, don't you? Because he's a good bloke to go out and get pissed with. Yeah, he's a, he's a lad's lad. He's he? a lad's lad. So mm. it's like I would class someone who's a villain as somebody that everybody is scared of. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dan might be mates with him because he is scared of him. That's true. Do you know what I mean? He's one of those kind of guys that you would rather have as a friend than an enemy so that you you make sure that you're matey with him, you buy him a drink, you know, you, you know. Yeah. I can always remember being like just when I first started going out to pubs when I was like 18, 19, and then you would see these guys that probably were 30, but mm. to, to me they were 
they were blokes, you know, they were proper, they were men. They were old and wizened at 30. Yeah, but if if they come up to you and said, oh, do you want a drink? Yeah, yeah, I'll have a drink, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's and you'd feel like a real man. That's it. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know, and I think that maybe that's what it is. I think especially when it comes to Dan, because they are, they are of two different ages. Mm. You know, Dan's a lot younger. So I think maybe that might be what it is. I mean, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to see whether is, is Martin somebody that's liked by his peers and so on, or does he, does he rule the village in fear? But then I don't think, like we said before, I don't think Fiery Francis is scared of him. I don't. No, I don't think he is. No. But it would also be interesting to see that if Martin Muckler went to Bristol, or would would like the the guys like Martin Mucklow make mincemeat out of him? It'd be like it's it's like when you got teams that go from like qualifying rounds of the FA Cup, that then go to the third round and they play South End. You know, and it's a different class. It's a different class of people. I don't know why I picked South End. Apologies to South End. Or, um, actually, no, I, was no, big, exactly. I, was, I was big in South End up. I was saying that they were a, a big club. A good but, team. Yeah. It's, yeah I, I just find it... That's why, he, that's why he thrives in the village setting, because he's like the big fish in a small pond. Yeah. I think he would be wise enough to know that if he went somewhere like Bristol, he'd just get his ass whooped, wouldn't he? Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I think he'd be well out of his depth. His depth is, you know, stealing vacuum cleaners in a little village and being the, the I suppose, the hard nut of the village, isn't he? Mm. You know, that's why he likes to stay. That's probably why he came back when he came out of jail. Because he knows that he's the, he's the alpha male there, probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kerry goes to see the vicar. Uh, they have a catch-up, and uh, Kerry says that all is good. But, hypothetically, could the vicar kick Len out so that Kerry could move in? Yeah. Um, she'll call Len. She's quite happy to call Len and tell him to pick up all his stuff as there's asbestos in the vicar's house. And she just wants a new home. When the, when the vicar... When the vicar... Yeah, the vicar's sort of saying, well, why do you want... I just want a new home. Is that a crime? That's simple. It's just a simple thing. I know. Um, Breaks my heart, that. It really does, the fact yeah. that she's now feeling that her own sanctuary and home has been taken away from her. She wants to go somewhere else. She's, you know, we, we've always spoken about the fact that Kerry is this character that's a little bit, I'm, I'm probably wrong by using this term, but a little bit simple. Yeah. And the fact that her safety barrier of her home has been taken away by her own dad and she's not happy there breaks my heart. I do agree. Um, Kerry decides to tell the vicar how she feels uh, by using the analogy of bodger and badger. (laughs) Um, And that you can't have two badgers because the place will just be covered in mashed potato and no one's paying the rent. And you can't have two bodgers because nothing funny would ever happen and the place would be utterly soulless. So mum's the bodger, Kerry's the badger, and Martin is a badger. You can't have two badgers, not enough mashed potatoes to go around. Now, this was a little bit lost on me. I remember the big <coughs> thing, Bodger and Badger. I don't yeah. remember watching it. So I wasn't very clued up on the reference of mashed potato on this. Well, I don't think I'm the right generation for Bodger and Badger, so I can't yeah. remember it either. Did you not YouTube it to have a look and see if there was anything? No, I don't. 
I didn't. I'm not, um, I'm, it was I'm too not much like hard work, wasn't it? <laughs> you didn't want Bodger and Badger on your <laughs> history. <laughs> I just wonder what the mashed potato. I thought you might have known the answer. So but I'll have to. No, I, yeah. Well, I'm sure that other people will know, but don't worry about it for now. <laughs> the vicar's <laughs> advice is: I think you need to talk to Bodger. And uh, Kerry, beautiful line. I don't think he'd want to get involved. And she goes, <laughs> he goes, no, I mean your mum. Talk to your mum and come to some sort of an arrangement. Uh, and the vicar says, it's funny how the world works, uh, wishing for something, and then when it happens, it's not quite what you expected, that he was a big Paul Merton fan and found himself sitting opposite him on the train from Didcot to London. Now, I have a thing with Paul Merton. Because Paul, well, and it's nothing to do with him. I think he's very funny, mm. but it's all to do. He used to be married to Caroline Quinton. Yeah, and they when they got divorced, that was it. I said I don't like Paul Merton anymore, <laughs> and I just had this thing against Paul Merton because I have this thing about Caroline Quinton for some reason. And it just every time I see him, now, I just think, oh, I just don't like him anymore. Oh. And that's gone on for years and years and years. I hold a grudge. I'm such a shallow person. I'll hold a grudge for anything. <laughs> um, so then the vicar found himself sitting opposite um, Paul Merton on the train from Didgot to London. Um, and the vicar heard him whisper very loud to his agent. <sighs> the boiled egg in the dog collar keeps smiling at me. This is why we need to go first class, Derek. <laughs> I love that. It's a great line, isn't it? It is a great line, but I think that was one of the lines that uh, Paul Shahidi said that he had real trouble saying. Yeah. If you look at the bloopers, it's one of the ones that he he, he just cannot get the boiled egg part of that line out. Um, <laughs> it's so good, though. It's so good. Uh, so Gary go- Kerry goes back to hers and shouts for her mum. She wants to help. Uh, Sue wants help painting her toenails as she can't see them. She gets Kerry to put the flowers that Martin has bought in a vase. And what a lovely angel you turned out to be, Kerry. Pause in the end. Kerry doesn't want to rock the boat by chatting to her mum as she hasn't seen her this happy since Auntie Linda put on a load of weight. Sue also asks Kerry to go get some cans and nibbly bits for tomorrow night's Martin's Freedom Party. Yes. And Sue also instructs Kerry to leave the bowl on the kitchen table alone as Martin is making Skittles vodka. Now, once again, as we've said before, if you look at the subtitles on the iPlayer, it's, I've listened and watched it a couple of times now, and Kerry definitely says, that is rank. R-A-N-K. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subtitles say that is wank. Oh, really? W-A-N-K, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, it's not like she's Jonathan Ross and rolls her eyes, so that is wank. And I'm not having a go <laughs> at Jonathan Ross. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how he talks. I'm, you know, I'm not having a go. Even he admits it. He Even has, he does. Pronounces his, you know, R's as W's. He does. Um, so now we have the uh, text in the middle of the episode that says, research shows that children fare better in single-parent families than in two-parent families that have high levels of conflict. This suggests that family functioning has a greater impact on children than family structure. 
profound? <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, now over to you, Professor. <laughs> well, we spoke. If you listen to uh, the interview with Tom, he tells you where they got their information on that. So that's right. Say any more? They must listen to that podcast. Indeed. Already. So we go back to Silver Surfers. Curtains helping Len change his relationship profile on Facebook. Love is in the air, as the vicar says. Len mm. has met a lady called Cynthia from America on Facebook and has written a poem for Cynthia. Here's a little part of that poem. You fill my days with sun. You fill my nights with moon. You fill the air with breeze. You fill the arboretum with trees. There you oh, go. He's trying, isn't he? Len's in love. Talk it's about profound. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Can't get much more profound than that. Len's sonnets. They should release a book of Len's sonnets. Len's sonnets. Indeed. Right, so the vicar says that Len reminds him of Jesus and the leper. <laughs> Not that he has leprosy, although he did have a fungal infection because it hadn't taken his shoes off for so long. So once again with that, it is equating the vicar with Jesus. He is, he is putting himself on that pedestal with Jesus. I mean, I don't know that many vicars. and Don't most vicars use or paraphrase the Bible to everything that they do anyway? Wouldn't that be Do you think they, so? Well, they work from the, you know, the book. And that goes for all religions, I suppose. If you're following the Nazarene, don't they all do that? Okay, all right. Don't get touchy. That's deep, isn't it? I, I didn't realise. I, I didn't to... realise you were that religious, Neil. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not, <laughs> uh, just, I'm just trying to get you to love Francis in this episode. I do. I, I love him anyway. I do love him. Nothing's going to stop me loving Francis Seaton. It's just he that I saw I mean, a different side to him this episode. I mean, I think he is going to enjoy the glory. Of what he's done with Len, of course he is. He yeah. Would. So Curtin but, says that Len's upturn in luck is just fueling the vicar's ego. Parading Len around the cafe like a show pony is disgusting. See, that's the bit I can see in my mind's eye: the vicar just like taking Len into the cafe, and like, look at him, look at Len, look how lovely he is, look at what I've done to him, look, look at my, look at my monster, I am Frankenstein, look at my monster, and that's, that's the bit that sort of sticks in my mind, that I'm thinking, oh, but the vicar isn't like that, but is he? No, I'm not having it, I'll fight you for it. But I said that if you watch the expressions on the vicar's face, it is played superbly by Paul Shahidi, there's a, on a numerous viewings you can see that it is ego-filled. You can see, and this is all done by, like I say, Paul Shahidi's perfect performance, mm. that there are layers in there. It's not. There's times when he's looking and he looks very proud, but there'll be a time when he will sort of like roll his eyes and like, you know, his eyebrows will go to the top of his head, sort of like, that was me. I did yeah. that, you know, and that's a different side to the, the vicar. I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to pay more t- more attention to it. That's my problem. I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't noticed. So Curtin also says you can't tame a wild beast. Eventually, they will turn on their captors. It's animal instinct, like the woman who got her face ripped off by the pet chimp. Now Martin's freedom party. 
The boys are having pre-drinks, and we see the welcome return of Dan Greaves. Yes. Now, <laughs> there must there must have been more scenes. Well, I believe there were, weren't they? You know, um, I can't believe they. Well, I say they can't. I can't believe they would have brought Dan in just for that. But no. then we only see Sandra. We see Holly Atkins at the end, just in the distance. Yeah, and there's Dan, no and Jimmy's literally a flash, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not like part of that is what I love about you know this country and the fact that they're two two characters that have got a lot to say in other episodes are just literally there as background yeah people which i suppose is life isn't it you might have in it you know that that time that one of your friends is the subject of whatever's going on and then you don't hear about them again exactly and i'm also wondering why that was a, that was another reason why kerry left because it's Dan that was the one that was writing in the threatening letters. Now, you see, I did think that. And also, I think she's uncomfortable. You know, she has all this bravado, but deep down we know that she's not like that. She's uncomfortable with certain situations. And I think she was very uncomfortable that she was going to be dragged into the party. Yeah. And I think that's one of her ideas of a nightmare, a hell. Well, I put on here that Kerry is up in her room looking uncomfortable with the drunken revelry downstairs. So Kerry, with a backpack, leaves for a sleepover with her curtain to go somewhere where she knows she'll feel welcome. Mm. She knocks on the door and and, uh, Kerry is met by curtain with a definition of not feeling welcome at all. This is really massively inconvenient and massively late notice, Kerry, curtain says. Nan will go apoplectic if she knows you're staying the night. She's at farm foods now, so you'll have to... uh, Oh, God, what's that? No, you have an hour to practice keeping your clod hopping and fog horning down to an absolute minimum. I I love love that. Clod hopping and fog horning. And also, farm foods, is that really a thing around here? Yeah, I think so. I I think there's one in Swindon. I've never been to a farm. I'm pretty sure there's one in Swindon. Um, So Kerry nonchalantly answers with okie-dokie. And then Curtin comes back with, even the casual way in which you just said okie-dokie makes me think you don't understand the serious of this situation. Take it down a notch, then four more notches, and then marches her straight upstairs. Uh, Curtin's nan doesn't like Kerry. She's out of control. And because uh, Kerry left some Pringle shards, and this is the story. This one time, Kerry left some Pringle shards on the arm of the sofa. Yeah, you don't come back from that. <laughs> there you go. You don't come back from Pringle shards. Why do you think Curtin is so scared of his nan? Because it is scared there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one thing that we never ever found out was the, the history of Curtin and what's happened to his mum and dad. Did we or did we? Did we find that out in Curtin's no, half-brother? No, um, well, we'll Curtin's recap. dad died, didn't he? Yeah. We'll recap that next week. Yeah, we? we'll, we'll recap. Well, not next week, next, next episode, week, next yeah, uh, next time we do the uh, yeah, sorry. thing. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's just not a nice person. But that's just you know he he lives in her house and that's he's got to uh, abide by her yeah and maybe she's got all those old fashioned type of values that you know respect your elders you got to be like this you can't do this yeah but she yeah. does look a natter 
He does. Uh, as we find out, Curtin brings up a glass of squash, but they'll have to share it as Nan will know there's more than one cup missing. So it's like sleeping with the enemy with Julia Roberts. Like, oh, yeah. I, I guarantee that she's got all her tins of peaches all lined up perfectly with the label out and like all the tins of beans. It's full of OCD. Yeah, it's all perfectly. There's a ruler there making sure there's a gap between each can. You just know that's going to happen. Uh, Nan comes home and shouts up to Lee. I always forget that's his name, Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, that does he want a natter? So Kerry quizzes Curtin on what's a natter. And um, Curtin says that a chatter is conversation, and natter is when you flitter between subjects without giving them a proper introduction or link to anything. Uh, then we get this. The problem with Curtin is he's just no woman trapped in the body of a young man. Actually, that's wrong, because he's also got the body of an old woman. So he's just an old woman trapped in the body of an old woman. <laughs> Which always makes me chuckle. Now, when we that whole bit we just talked about, you hear Curtin's Nan's voice. Yeah. So I watched a film that I've got recently with Tilda Swinton in called Young Adam, okay? And I put that back on quickly after hearing that. And their voices are identical. Really? Yeah. It's funny you say that because I I don't think that that's Tilda Swinton saying those bits. Oh, I do. Do you? I certainly do, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, I That's do. okay. And if anyone is happening to watch this episode as your first, or listening to this episode as the first episode of WTAF, we think it's Tilda Swinton uh, playing... Curtain's Nan. That's that's okay. our view. I can't I, understand it. I no. tried to go Kate Blanchett thinking <coughs> you said that, but the shape of Nan is wrong for the shape of Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I think I think it's the neck. Yeah. I really think it's the neck. The long neck, the thin Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh so Kerry listens to Curtin and Nan nattering, talking about spring watch. Lidl's tea bags are useless and going to Scotland. Uh, Kerry walking around the village in the early hours. Curtains kicked her out before Nan can wake up, before Nan can wake up, before Nan does wake up. <laughs> Kerry wonders where she's going to go and she sees the shithouse Martin leaving Sandra's and he's giving her a goodbye kiss. So he's obviously stayed there the night. Yeah, the dirty shithouse. Dirty shithouse. Sandra's no better. No, so I she's got rid of him yeah. after the aftermath. So it looks like it's all just going to end up being the same as it was. Um, I've put in big capital letters here, shithouse is back, and he never changed. And that's, But see, that's where I wanted that scene. Yes. I, I wanted think... Kerry to storm up and, and give Martin both barrels. Yeah, and, I agree and, with you. And maybe um, Sandra as well, but get, say to leave Martin there. The you know the the David Brent Finchy fuck off yeah. right there, and then 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 she could go back to her mum and say we don't need him, mum. You know, and all. Mm-hmm. And I just really really wish there'd been that that moment. It's almost like a closure, isn't it? Yeah, because we knew that this was the last series. It just gave you that little bit of closure. You know, even if they bring it back, even if she'd have done that, he could, she could have been sucked in by his malevolence of twisting whatever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So Len now wants Curtin's help to do an online money transfer. He wants to transfer $3,000 to Cynthia. 
She's got $12 million and is an heiress to a diamond fortune. Uh, She can't fly over till she gets a passport and they won't give her access to her money until she gets $3,000. So he says, I'm giving her $3,000. Is that all right, officer? And then this, I love this line. It could go up up, up there with my and watch again. Oh, really? What's all the fuss for, fussy? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) What's all the fuss for, fussy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But... uh, Curtin, just to cover things, says he can't do the money until Tuesday. But the big question, where the hell does Len keep $3,000? He must have a bank account, because I would assume he's getting all the whatever benefits he's entitled to. But if he's got $3,000, why is he living in a fucking garage? Because he's a hoarder, isn't he? People won't have him. $3,000. $3,000. not living in the garage now because he's probably filled that up with shite. And he's he probably... <laughs> with the vicar. Oh, dear. But it does show, I put on here, how easy it is for vulnerable people that they can be caught by scammers. Oh, scammers. I, I, it's not even vulnerable people now. The scams that nowadays, I'm going to have a little run, are just getting so fucking good. At, oh, dear. The only way you, you get away from it now is you do what Daisy does. And you fight them back with both barrels. Yeah. Because that, um, that has been the thing. I think um, social media-wise, it could be one of the big things of the whole lockdown. Yeah. Is, is Kerry, uh, Kerry, sorry, Daisy and the whole sea captain. And, um, it was, um, yes. It will be and a that movie. that went into, um, that became a thing in the national presses. It did. So it did, nice. yeah. She went viral with that, and st- and and as we're recording this, it's still going. Mm. Although I shouldn't say that because that now has now broken the whole image and and thing that we did at the start about birthdays. Happy birthday, <laughs> Happy birthday to you two, and to you, sir, <laughs> Sensei. Okay, Curtin tells Vicar about Cynthia, shows him a profile picture. It's actually Joan from Humberside who was a fitness instructor in the 80s and who is currently dead. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Vicar says, well, it's a rotten thing to do to someone. In the old days, boy meets girl in cafe, boy asks girl out, boy courts girl with permission from parents, boy asks girl hand in marriage, the end. The old-fashioned way. Curtin is absolutely shocked and beside himself and uh, (laughs) says that it's proper sexist, Vicar. To wait in cafes all day like cattle in a cattle market, waiting for blokes to come around and pick them off. Proper prehistoric. The vicar says that he can see how it could be misconstrued. Curtin says, don't apologise to me, apologise to all the women out there. Is this Curtin being a snowflake, I put? No, I think this is Curtin putting a prank on the vicar. Do you really think so? I think he's deadly serious. I oh, know. I think that's the joy of Curtin. You can't tell when he's pissing around or when he's serious. But I took it as he was winding the vicar up and making him go all uncomfortable, knocking him down that peg or two. No, really. I was no. I was. I. I don't know. I don't know. He could be, or he's trying to be because he's being filmed, and gets it all wrong. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Kerry goes and has a word with him. Um, says that mum might be, might be happy with dad, but she's living in dreamland. 
Exactly like when she was best mates with Dan Shelton in year nine, Curtin said, he's not best mates with you because of your personality. It's because you have Tekken 3 on PlayStation 1. Carrie found it liberating in a way. She could be Yoshimitsu instead of being Heiachi. Heiachi is not a fighting style. I don't know what more I could have given. Oh, that's not, yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I'd get it wrong sooner or later. Oh, dear. Yeah, so why have we done that then? Anyway, anyway. Vicar and Curtin meet Len. Hang on, I've got to make sure I haven't balls this up now. Because I'm sure that was... No, ladies and gentlemen. Keep uh, talking. I was going to say, you've... um... I'm just looking on my list as well. No, I think yeah, I think I think I ch- changed a couple of things around, but we'll play this anyway. Obviously, she has gone to see Sue, so yeah. this was Sue. I don't know what more I could have given him, Cass. No, I he's know. a lying, cheating scumbag. Yes. Singing back and forth between me and that bloody woman, like Flubber from the film Flubber. I love that. That's <sighs> really hear um, Daisy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you really can. Bye, bye, bastard. Yeah. So the vicar and Curtin meet Len. Vicar's trying to be tactful. Len is more positive now because of Cynthia, but the vicar is trying to be as tactful as possible. Curtin has his back, and uh, the vicar says, "Well, I'm afraid Cynthia is," and Curtin stops him in his tracks and says, "Dead." <laughs> then when Len asks how she died, Curtin throws the vicar under the bus and says, well, I don't know. The vicar took the call. So the poor vicar now has to lie um, and says that he, she hit her head quite badly when she fell down the stairs. And Len breaks down, bless his heart. Um, and then this, again, top class acting from uh, Paul Shahidi here just says that just before she left this world, she said that despite never having met you, she was so proud of everything you've achieved and that you'll never be alone because she will always, always be with you. And Curtin then gives a little shifty look to the camera, which I thought was uh, priceless. Uh, uh, Vicar rolls the lying dice and was um, then, sorry, then thanks him for telling him what he said. Um, So obviously it worked. I mean, I don't know how how Len... Do you think Len could have gone on some kind of rampage there? No, I think the danger was... I was. I, I mean, part of me thought, is this the, where he turns back to how he was? Right. So he goes back to wearing his piss-stained clothes and his beard and eating out of cornflake box. It's possible that, that he could. It's possible that he could still do that. Well, yeah, that anything would trigger that, obviously, isn't there? Mm. Isn't but I think the vicar lied well. Yes. Quite lie to help him through. Yeah. So the vicar does say afterwards that uh, uh, regarding Curtin that he wished that they'd been on the same page at the start of the conversation. Um, and then the curtain says, "Yeah, who falls down the stairs these days? That's not Homer Simpson." <laughs> so the vicar, Kerry, and Curtin and Len go out to a field which overlooks the village to release Cynthia's lantern. 
Off it goes, then Kerry and Curtin issue the bombshells to the vicar, the lanterns are the biggest killers of barn owls, and cows die as they eat the metal parts. Wish you told me that before we lit it, says the <laughs> vicar. Now, do you think they drop these little nuggets because they know they've read information that that has happened and they're always trying to ban all of these? Do you think they say that because they genuinely think, oh, shit, we've done that and that could happen, or to wind the vicar up? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think especially if you go by the rationale of what you said earlier on about the fact that, you know, that Kerry and Curtin both do these, or Curtin did that thing to wind him up. Yeah. But then would they really trade? I don't know whether Kerry is the sort of person that would traipse all the way up that hill to set off a lantern just to wind the vicar up. I don't think she'd be asked about it. No, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah, she's lazy, isn't she? She's going to slowly turn into Sue, I would imagine. Yeah, I think she will. I think she will. Right, so we had a a little bit of feedback from uh, some of the listeners. Uh, Connor Gilmore, again. Hello, Connor. Hello, Connor. Uh, Said, I love how Martin just walks in in the first scene and it isn't acknowledged at all. Despite us not seeing him since he went to prison, completely took me off guard on the first watch hilarious it is I I think that is the whole point of it is the fact that then you realize nothing has changed no that's right and also I think it's perfect and typical this country and the fact it's same as when Mandy in the previous episode she just wanders up rests on the car and then just that's it because I mean, when we watch this, we're just seeing a snapshot of their life. If this was real life, they would be seeing these characters a lot more. They would, but again, I mean, I'm, you live in a sort of village that's sort of like that. I'm sure there's people in the village or, or where you live. You don't see them every day. No, no. But you know, there's somebody you may not see for a month. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. There's people I don't see at all, but you get to also to see the characters that are on that have a schedule you know you'll see them at eight o'clock every morning walking the same way and things like that you get to see that a lot more and yeah i suppose yeah it's just everyday life isn't it you don't see everybody all the time so no uh miranda libby uh said uh, her favorite bit was you can't transfer money on a tuesday yeah hello Uh, hello miranda uh and miranda sim said fantastic episode one of my absolute favorites it is a great episode. There's a lot to like in this episode. And she also put on there, one of the best bits is when the vicar says, it reminds me a bit of Jesus and the leper. I'm not saying Len has leprosy. So he clearly thinks he's Jesus. That's the point I was making. Yeah. Uh, then the next scene is Curtin saying how the whole Len thing is just fueling the vicar's ego and you see see him parading Len around the cafe. And I, I do think there's a little bit of that Hey, you quite, you know, just... You have I, to watch it again now. Just watch it again. I just keep your eye on the vicar and just look at some of the little facial expressions he makes of how proud he is. Well, of this to make sense, yeah. About this monster that he's created. Uh, Anna Sanders uh, thinks Arthur's browser history is one of the fa- her favourite bits. Um, uh, and Jen Ashman said the photo of Cynthia, yeah. uh, which was the, uh, the 80s... Um, Keep fit instructor. And Kaz, Kaz Capel said, I really feel sorry for Len in this episode, um, which I think a lot of people do. I think Len's yeah. just one of those 
one of those characters that just you're always going to feel sorry for because she because oh, he's he's always been dealt like a real cruel blow. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's, absolutely. You feel sorry for him, and yeah, in this episode, the, like you you made a you know you spoke about before with the him being fleeced, and the, how many older people do get fleeced? Yeah, it's it's sad. It's a sad episode. This is why when I first watched it. I thought it was very funny, and then the more the, the more I've watched it, the more I've realised it is funny. Christ, it's a heavy episode, really. It's a and dark, episode. dark yeah. as well. It is absolutely dark. that whole pillow over the face thing. Just Ooh. it shook me the first time I saw that. Yeah, absolutely shook me. Yeah, what a, what a positive way to finish. That's episode three. But it is another. It's another great episode. It's another. It's, it's, it shows that there is such diversity in each episode, really. Yeah, and the thing is, it's also you've almost got like two A storylines going on this episode. Yeah, you've got so Martin, and you've also got the Cynthia. Yeah. Normally, there's like an A A like plot line with maybe a B and a C plot line going along. I mean, they've done it before, didn't they? They did it with double dinners. Um, yeah, yeah. That was two two going along at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah so, but, yeah, it's, it's a good episode. It's not Another my, winner. I wouldn't say it was my favourite, though. No, but another winner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, Neil. That's it. That's episode three, series three, recapped. Um, just three more to go. No, I know. I, it's, it's fun. It's fun breaking these down. I enjoy it. I'm glad you're having fun. <laughs> I'm glad you're having fun. Right, do you want to do your little bits to say goodbye to the lovely people? Yes. Please join us on all the social media platforms under WTAFTC Pod. Is that right on the there, or is that I always get a bit confused? No, that is right. That is right. We've done it on all of them, have we? Yep. There we go. So all the social media you can find us on WTAFTC Pod. You can email us at WTAFThisCountryHotmail.com. Or is that WTAF, this TC pod? Have you changed that one yet? No, I haven't changed that. No, no, just making sure. sure. You're getting me worried. No, no, no. Uh, That's under WTAF, this country at hotmail.com. And then, of course, you've got the website where you can get tickets for our live show, which has now been postponed till next May, May the 28th, I believe. Is that not right? Indeed, it is. And you can get tickets on there by just going to our website, WTAFpodcast.com. Wonderful. Now you can also support the podcast and we'd love it if you did that. There are two ways of doing it. If you would like to be a Patreon bozo, just go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF and you can uh, support us monthly for as little as $1. We do um, reward tiers for $1, $3 and no, sorry, $1, $2 and $5. So go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. Or if you would like to buy us a coffee, uh, just a one-off little thing, uh, that would be wonderful. Just go to ko-fi forward slash WTAF, TC pod. (laughs) Oh, God, all these different names and letters. Yeah, so it's ko-fi, ko-fi. FI.com forward slash WTAFTC pod. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, you could buy us a coffee. That's all you yeah. could do. And it all helps us uh, to keep all of this going um, because 
you know, it ain't free. Uh, and we absolutely love it if you do that. Thank you so much. If you can't do it, don't worry. Continue to listen to the podcast, um, please, and subscribe and rate and review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, yeah, that's all That's all we ask, and that you enjoy the podcast. That's Were you going to say something, Neil? No, I was just going to say on the Patreon that you can also get access to the um, some extra little bits and bobs, can't you? Yes, you can. It's only for the Patreon bozos. Only for the Patreon bozos of $2 and, uh, a month and up. Um, but if you want to set it up for $1 a month, you know, our bazooms are ample enough to stick that dollar bill between. We are quite happy for you to stick it in our garter belts, uh, stick it in the crack of our ass. Uh, we'll, we'll take your dollar bills any way you want to give it to us. Stick it wherever. Stick it wherever. Um, so, Neil, uh, I hope, well, have a lovely birthday for and tomorrow. You, oh, yeah, and I'm... And you carry on your birthday. Soon. I will. I had a wonderful time last week. Um, I, won't, I won't tell you what happened because it's just not for the internet's ears. Too much for the internet. Too, way too much. I had so much fun. You will not believe it. I'll tell you when we're off the air. Oh, I shall look forward to it. Indeed. Thank you very much again, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody listening. And go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.